0: Do we have? Okay, all right. So, what's being passed around is a sign-up list for our email newsletter. And if you don't, if you're already getting too many emails, don't feel any obligation to sign up. But I wanted to give you a chance to do that, uh, just because we're doing so much in our ministry, and uh, just Wendy's uh, releasing a book. My wife. Uh, It'll come out in about a month. It's called Victorious Emotions. And it is just such a, a powerful book, and that's going to be part of what we're doing. We send out weekly email encouragements. And, you know, just if the message that you're hearing, if you're here last night, it's something you want more of, I would just say sign up. We'll send you more. We, we, we try to make them brief and powerful in what we do. That's one of our, it's one of our things. And... Um, So, just a a few other things that we do is I I do a a daily 60-second video hope injection. Now, uh, I I did it today, actually, in Phil and Heather's backyard. I do it as a current thing that I do, and and it's pretty much, um, we have a couple thousand pretty much every day who watch that. And it's on Igniting Hope Instagram and Igniting Hope Facebook. That's our ministry. Wendy and I work with Baffle Church, but we have our own ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries. So if you want to uh, get on board with a video hope, 60-second hope injection, then that is something you can go to either the Facebook or um, Instagram, Igniting Hope, on that. Also, I wanted to mention... We've just started in our ministry uh, a uh, a 30-day declaration experiment. Is anybody aware of that out there? Anybody? There's a a few of you who are a part of that or aware of that. Now, um, I'm a spiritual experimenter. I like to try things because there's no progress unless somebody's trying something new. Many of the things I do, I've never heard anybody else do. It's really spiritual experimentation over you. By the way, I used to be so I had I used to have more faith in the devil's ability to deceive me than God's ability to lead me. So I never tried anything. Let's just laugh at that. (laughs) (laughs) So this is something currently going on. We started June 1st. We we challenge people to do a 30-day experiment of making at least 100 declarations a day. And see what happens. We've done it before, and we've had some of our most powerful testimonies have actually come out of this experiment. And and we have uh, and it's you're probably not going to be able to get one of these from us. We have a declaration clicker. It's a counter, and you can buy one of these that doesn't have this one has an igniting hope uh, sticker on it. You, you know, if you really want one bad, you can, you can order one. It'll take probably a while to get here. <laughs> but if you wanted to get going on this, you could go to, like, a hardware store, a uh, sports uh, store, and, and they have tally counters. And so what you do is you hold on to one of these. It's a reminder to make declarations. Like, you know, I'll just make a few declarations just, just right now, things that are true. <clears throat> um, these meetings here are going to have long-lasting positive impact on this region. Yes, that's, that's just want. Yeah, everywhere I go, revival breaks out. My prayers are powerful and effective. I consistently bring God encounters to other people. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I'm a great decision maker. I'm blessed in everything that I do. My prayers for my family are working. I have an abundance for every good work. I have an abundance of health, energy, finances, favor, wisdom, power, love, protection <laughs> for every good work. So I got I got 17 in just right there. And it's it's just a it's it's a great thing. So if you want to actually jump on board with us and you know you're it's a day 3 or 4 right now, you can go to our website, ignitinghope.com, and you'll see a banner that'll be on there, and you can click on that, and you can become a part of it, and we'll we'll send out what we do. It's it's free. It doesn't cost anything. We send out uh, emails uh, twice a week to you to encourage you. We send out an initial email with a whole bunch of declarations. If you don't know what to declare on our website, we we have a lot of declaration lists. We recommend, if you want to be a part of that, getting our book, Declarations, which is here uh, specifically, we're we're referring to that book, and then also the book, uh, if you want to just add to it, You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. All right? That good? So, yep, sign-up sheet will be meandering around. Hopefully, it'll end up in the back. That's our goal, and Karen, thank you. And by the way, if you have something else you want to say before, well... I can carry on. Right, yeah, I can carry on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up there and carry on because I want to see everybody. So I'll give you the mic.
1: Um, while that's going around, I don't know if you've noticed, but it is double-sided. So if you finish, if you've completed one side, you can always flip it over. Okay, keep going. That's great.
2: Who's oh, got his own?
0: Your neighbor and say, um, You'll never be the same again after this meeting.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you, Lord. By the way, Karen, I was just thinking of you and just just see just such a great, powerful thing on your life. And using the the letters of your name, I heard this. You're you're a kingdom advancing releaser. You release things into the atmosphere. You're like this releaser of what God wants to do. Uh, And I heard a kingdom advancing releaser uh, empowering Nehemiah's. And that there's just a real anointing on your life. You know, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls in the Old Testament. I don't know who encouraged him. I mean, that was a radical. That was right. He was a radical. Somebody had to encourage him. And I just see you as a great encourager of people who are doing things. And people who are maybe doing things that seem too big to do. (laughs) And and so we, we, we bless that. I want you to just repeat this after me. We did this last night, but I want you to do it again. Say, say, God brought me here today because he believes in me more than I believe in myself. He's preparing me for something bigger than I know. (laughs) Something's happening in me. It's going to increase. It's going to bear a hundredfold fruit. It's going to influence the nations. Influence the nations. Amen. Amen. All right. Yes, I'm excited to be with this group again. Man, I went home. Uh, I went to Phil and Heather's house. By the way, again, thank you, Lighthouse Church, for hosting. Who's not here from Lighthouse? You're visiting. Yeah. Wow. We got so many. Just uh, we bless you. And can you who are visiting give a hand to Lighthouse for their great hosting? You know, Lighthouse is a is a regional revival center. And I just see you guys as a, you're like an inverted funnel. You know the the and it's just poof, and, and and you're 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 bringing heaven to earth. You're bringing heaven to earth, and and we just say thank you for that. We know there's other great ministries in this region as well. But we specifically thank you, Lighthouse, Phil and Heather and the team for your heart to see meetings like this, to just uh, come together. So, Amen. Um, I just as praying, as, I, as I, this was last night, I said, you know, Lord, who is here? Who is in this meeting? And I just I still sense this, and I heard this. There's Noah's in this meeting. And there may be people literally with the name Noah. But um, there, there, there's actually Noah's, there, there's people here who are long-term builders. I mean, Noah, he built for a hundred years, not even knowing what was something that was not even coming. And I mean, he didn't know what was coming because it had never come before, called rain. And I just see the Lord, uh, there's just those who th- long-term thinkers are the healthiest people. Short-term thinkers are not healthy. And I just, there's Noah's in the room. I hear there's Abrahams in the room. People who are leaving something, you know, some, there's some either doctrine, some, something of, you know, it's been holding them back in the spirit or whatever. And, uh, maybe even it's not necessarily geographical, but, uh, it could be, and, and you don't know fully where you're going. Abraham did not know where he was going, but he knew he couldn't stay where he was. And so he are starting on a journey. There's Abraham's in there. You're starting on a spiritual journey. You say, I don't know where this thing is leading. It's okay. It's okay. Yep. Yeah. There's Peter's in the room. Peter, one of the disciples, he failed miserably. He says, I'm not, uh, I would never deny you. But you just laugh at that, by the way. <laughs> and he did. But then he got restored and became the leader of the church at Pentecost. There's people in the room you feel like and you've failed. Uh, and, and I want to tell you that that it, that is that doesn't define you. And you're actually going to do things that are going to astound yourself and astound other people. There's Phillips in the room. Philip was a deacon in Acts 6. He was appointed a deacon. His assignment was to wait on tables. He exceeded his job description. Because <laughs> if you go into Acts 8, he started this massive revival in Samaria. And that wasn't on his job description. With signs and wonders, whole city, whole region. And there's people in the room, you have a certain job description. But, but what's going to happen is already you're, you're breaking out of the job description. Things are going to happen. There's people who have gifts of help and helps and, and have assignments of help. And miracles are going to start happening through those things. You're, you're going to pause and lay hands on people. Boom! You're going to see healing. There's Phillips in the room. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I think he might be talking about you. <laughs> couple testimonies love testimonies just um we pastored a church wendy and i did from 1991 to 2001 as i shared last night in the middle of the desert uh, near las vegas nevada about four hours from las vegas and during that time i was not only the pastor i became the youth pastor because my children were that age and so we had an idea uh we, we decided as a youth leadership team, God started to move and young people got saved. And we had an idea of, uh, of creating the top 10 hit list of most unlikely people to get saved. So we put 10 names on a list in the high school, uh, students at the high school who we thought were the least likely in the whole school to ever get saved. And we put one name on the top of the list who we said this person, in our opinion, is the most impossible person in the whole school. And his name was Caleb. Mm -hmm. And we started believing for him, started prophesying into his life, loving on him. And he got saved. Somebody say, yay. Well, that was about 1999. So we left in 2001, turned the church over to a spiritual son and daughter. And they pastored from 2001 to 2012. And then we laid, we went back to the church, laid hands on the new senior pastor of the church. Just what his name was? Caleb. The least likely person in the whole school not only got saved, but now he's a great leader. He's a great leader. I'm hearing this unlikely people around you are getting saved. And will get saved. Unlikely people. How many of you know that Saul in the New Testament was an unlikely person to get saved? <laughs> and he became the leader of, of the church. And, and I, I see, I just sense in my spirit that there's radical conversions coming to unlikely people in this region. Radical conversions. I love. I love... Testimonies, because the Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every testimony we hear is a prophecy into our own lives and for us to receive. There's another there's another testimony out of Nevada that I really like. There was a a rancher who worked on a ranch out there and he was all alone. He was about 50 miles from the nearest town. He did not know the Lord. He actually hardly knew anything about Christianity. And he was actually having some. He was oppressed, having some demonic manifestation issues in his life, and and all he had for entertainment was one of those old big satellite TV dishes. Remember the real big ones, the kind you had to actually move, you know, f- to, f- to the satellites, you know. And and so his satellite TV dish got stuck on the Christian satellite. <laughs> 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 it wouldn't move off that. <laughs> How do you know your prayers are doing more than you think they're doing? Yeah. I can see it now. You know somebody's crying out for the state of Nevada. Lord, bring revival, save people, and and two angels get commissioned, and and they swoop through the desert, and they come up to the satellite TV, and one says to the other, "Watch this." <laughs> <laughs> Well, he starts watching Christian television and and he gets saved and he gets excited. So he goes into a local town, small town called Tonopah, Nevada, and he goes into a a bar there and starts talking to the female bartender about his experience. She gets excited and she gets saved. Then they get married. A little little gap in between, but just, uh, just to speed the story up. They start coming to our church and he's a very he's a very prophetic man and just begin to understand that. And they they get raised up and, and now they are pastoring a cowboy church in Nevada services every Sunday. And, and God's done a great work in him. Now he's reaching a certain group of people. And, and I just uh, I'll say it again. Unlikely people around here are getting saved. They're getting saved. Unlikely people. There's people who are having encounters. There, there's people around here who are are, are literally um, with, just having dreams about the Lord. One of the books I wrote is called "Let's Just Laugh at That." By the way, let's just laugh at that. <laughs> now, if you weren't here last night, um, uh, I'll share a little bit more in a moment. Um, about the weapon of laughter. Laughter is a powerful weapon. To break off the absurdity. Of some of the things that we believe. The things that past experience says is true. Our feelings say is true. But God's word says something else is true. This book has 45 things. It's a devotional book. It's a, it's a lie. Um, it's a lie obliterator. And it, 45 things that past experience says is true. And God's word says something else is true. And so let me just, let me find the one here that I think is going to fit. Yeah, here's here's one of the lies. I want you to laugh at this. I just, just really laugh heartily about this one. Nobody around here wants to become a Christian. <laughs> 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 ha, <haha> ha, 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 ha. And then we have some laughable assumptions under that bigger lie. Uh, here, here's, here's one of the I'll read a few of those. God's love is not drawing people to himself anymore. <laughs> 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 Prayers for the unsaved are not working at all. <laughs> The deception in people's hearts is too great for God to break through. (laughs) Everyone who will ever be saved here has already been saved. (laughs) God wills that none should perish except the people in my town. He really doesn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't see people give their lives to Christ, it means that God is not doing anything in the lives of those around me. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yep. Why don't we get an extra laugh on that one? Ha <laughs> ha. Let me just give you one more here. Here's a fun one. Let's laugh at this. One person cannot change the world. <laughs> Here's some laughable assumptions into that. God has predestined a few select people with the ability to change the world, and you are not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> concerned about this section right here. I mean, am just concerned. Jesus changed the world, but he wasn't serious when he said that we would do greater things than him. (laughs) David, Moses, Abraham, Esther, and Peter changed the world because they did not have any weaknesses or negative circumstances to face. (laughs) Ha ha ha. <laughs> it's too late for anyone to change the world, so we should not try <laughs> and then my favorite God wants things to fall apart in the end time, so he gets irritated if we try to change the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, if you weren't here last night, just kind of catch up a little bit. And I'm on staff at Bethel Church, Redding, California, and been there since 2008. Got saved in the 70s. I was a hippie. Got saved at the tail end of the Jesus movement. Um, was part of the same Assembly of God church on the north coast of California where I grew up, got saved. For about 15 years, learned how to surrender our heart and our will to the Lord. Romans 12:1. God sends us to the desert to pastor a church that I mentioned in Nevada. In 1991, for 10 years, where we learned how to repent. Because God loves to send people to desert to teach them how to repent. And one of the best definitions of repentance is to change the way you think. So the Lord says, "I love, I love your heart to surrender your heart and your will to me, but uh, now it's time for you to surrender your beliefs." I want to move you into Romans twelve, two, where it says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? Renewing, Renewing of your mind." Uh, let's laugh at this. Romans twelve two is actually a mistranslation. <laughs> what it really meant to say is, "Be transformed by trying harder." Uh I'm all for wisdom. I'm all for integrity. Uh, But if we're going to actually experience something different, we have to believe something different. Current mind renewal creates future transformation. Current, Current beliefs create future experience. So the Lord says, I want you to start surrendering your beliefs. And we found this out, that surrendering beliefs is on one level, more difficult than surrendering our hearts. You know, whether surrendering my, my wife, she had to surrender the belief that she was shy and inadequate and that she could not speak well in front of others. And because her first time after we got saved, her first time of speaking, we went to a church Wednesday night meeting of about 20 people. Our assignment was to give five minutes of our testimony of how we got saved. Um, She got up, looked at the people, started crying, sat down and said to herself, I will never speak in front of other people again. So she had a stronghold in her mind based on past experience that was trying to define her life, was trying to determine her future. And so the Lord says, I want you to surrender that belief. I want you to surrender the belief you're shy, inadequate and can't speak in front of others. But she said, Lord, but that's that that's who I am. And the Lord says, No, that's not who you are, that's who you've become. It's not who you really are, that's just who you've become. And, and so she she started surrendering beliefs. I started surrendering beliefs are called strongholds. We'll talk more about that today. And and they don't want to go, they have a stronghold. That's why they're called the stronghold. It says in in 2 Corinthians 10 5, it says it says, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It doesn't say every thought's going to surrender. You actually have to capture it. It doesn't want to be captured. And so, you know, we go to the desert for 10 years. Uh, much of what we're, lear- what we're sharing in these meetings are from that experience. And the things that I teach are not things that, that we didn't know what else to teach. These are things that we've learned in the fire of our own lives. And we're still learning them. And so it's from our own experience. And, and again, most, most of our most powerful ministries come from something we've overcome. Something our, our, our greatest battles often become our greatest ministries. So even right now, the battle you're facing, the greatest battle you're facing, whether it's in your own life, relational, financial, in your mind, whatever it is, that battle's not just about you. It's a, it's about those that you're going to influence through what God's going to do in your own life. And we share John 8, 32. The truth will make you free. Every area of our life where we believe truth in, we get free. Every area of our life where we believe lies, we're not free. We get saved because we believe in Jesus. We get free because we believe like Jesus. And so at, at some point, we have to become responsible for what we think and how we think. And even in leadership and influence, I believe leadership is about 80 to 90 percent how we think. Because we're constantly making conclusions about something. And, and we shared, uh, I shared about how the way we can know we're believing a lie is that in every area of our life where we don't have great hope, we, we're believing a lie. Our hope level is the indicator of whether we're believing lies or truth. If we've got a lot of hope, we're believing a lot of truth. If we don't have much hope, we're believing a lot of lies. And again, there's no condemnation if we're believing lies. But, But if we don't know what our problem is, we have a real problem. I'm still believing some lies. I just don't believe as many as I used to. And I'm getting momentum in my life. I'm not a devil-focused Christian. I'm a belief-focused Christian. I don't want to be ignorant about the devil, but, but I don't talk about the devil very much, but I talk about what I believe all the time because if I can believe truth, I get free. And if I'm free, the devil's not bugging me very much. Seems to make sense. Uh, Romans 15, 13 says, which supports the, the hope as the indicator of whether we're believing lies or truth, says this, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Say in believing. Amen. And it goes on to say that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you boil that verse down, it's now may the God of hope fill you in believing. So the moment I believe truth is the moment I get filled by the God of hope. And then pretty soon it gets to my eyes that I'm seeing the same things differently. Someone getting hope is the beginning point of change. Somebody getting hope. Hope is an unstoppable force. Our hope level determines our influence level. So he who has the most hope has the most influence, and and we'll support that more later. So there's there's another great verse about hope in, in Hebrews 10 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let I me mean, know that's a lot of hope talk? Let us hold fast, don't let go of what? Your confession of hope and then do it without wavering. Wow, that's a, that's a lot. It doesn't say let us hold fast the thought of hope. It says the confession of hope. And, and then it says why? It says, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Say, he who promised is faithful. Say it again. He who is say it louder. He who is <laughs> so I like to say, I'm not into positive thinking, I'm into biblical optimism. <laughs> There's a difference. There's a difference between just positive thinking. I'm just going to, you know, I mean, obviously positive thinking is better than negative thinking. But Christians are not just in the positive thinking. Just I'm going to think positive, think positive, not going to think that. No, it's actually rooted in something. It's rooted in the fact that he's faithful. It's rooted in his promises. And, and the more we believe truth it, it is because increased hope is the evidence that the renewing of the mind is working. Increased hope is the evidence that we're moving from mental ascent with the truth and actually believing it. That's the sign. Now, so that was kind of just to bring you up to speed. And just in 2 Corinthians ten four and 5, actually, verse, start with verse 3. And many of you know this verse, these verses by heart. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Say amen to that. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of, of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Someone just go, rah, Ha ah, ah, ha. Ah. <laughs> We've been given weapons. To demolish strongholds. Wow. And then it goes on to say, we demolish arguments and every pretension or, or every high thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive... How many thoughts every, every. every thought how many thoughts are every? every all okay or how do you guys say all oh. 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 all <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <Yeah. laughs> all we just don't say a lot of the things right in America, do we <laughs> We need to upgrade. <laughs> By the way, I never finished my bio. Then I pastored a church in 2001 to 2008 with Wendy in Weaverville, California, where Bill Johnson, many of you know Bill Johnson, he pastored that church, a guy named Danny Silk followed him, he's a great leader as well, and then we pastored and then came on staff at Bethel in 2008. Worked with Global Legacy, which is the apostolic relational network of revival leaders, of people who just say, we want more of what Bethel has, they... They can find that out through globallegacy.com, which is a great ministry to equip leaders with the revival culture. So this is a fascinating verse. You know, and it's been used, you know, strongholds, it's been used to um, as, as uh, proof text to go after demonic regional strongholds or something like that. And I'm not saying there's never a time to do that. But that's not what this, the context of this is talking about. It's talking about strongholds. And we demolish arguments. And every pretension or every high thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And take captive every thought. The only command in that great spiritual warfare passage is to take thoughts captive. So you want a PhD in spiritual warfare? Determined to think differently. Determined to think higher. You know, I shared last night that after I got saved, my belief system was that if I came to church and did not feel saved, then I didn't think I was saved. And if they gave the altar call to be saved, I would go up again and get saved again just to make sure. Then the Lord said, Steve, I've got good news for you. You are saved even when you don't feel saved. I said, wow, that is amazing. I thought feelings were the highest indicator of truth there is. Let's laugh at that, by the way. <laughs> so when, when I actually started believing that I was saved, there was a high thing trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. There was an argument. Something was arguing with truth. It was my feelings and experience. When I started, when I, when I, when I pulled that thing down, taking my thoughts captive... You say, nope, that's not true. I'm saved. I don't feel saved right now, but I'm saved. <laughs> when I actually did that, that was higher spiritual warfare than rebuking a demonic principality for 30 minutes. That was high-level stuff. That, and, and, and so that once we actually get it, what, what is the greatest spiritual warfare... The greatest spiritual warfare is to think differently. And when we understand that we can't trust any conclusion in our life that doesn't have hope attached to it, then we begin to understand what it is that we need to start taking captive. So in any area of my life where I don't have hope, then I know there's a lie there. And if I ask Holy Spirit, I mean, when I first learned it, it was every area of my life. It was overwhelming. I had great doctrine, but had bad beliefs. And, and, and I prayed that dumb prayer I told you about. Lord, show me every lie that I'm believing. I say, Lord, just the, my advice to you is, is to pray, Lord, show me the biggest lies I'm believing. The most important ones I'm believing. And and so, yeah, it, it, it's, that, is, that is the greatest warfare. Now, I love it says here that... God, the weapons we fight with say weapons now as plural it 's more than more than one, and God, what makes me really happy is that god 's given me weapons to pull down bad beliefs in my own mind that makes me happy and, and these weapons uh they 're not of the world they 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 have divine uh how does it say uh, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, I mean, demolish sounds, that sounds pretty good. So I've been given weapons. Now, we we talked last night about two weapons. There's all kinds of weapons. The word of God's a weapon. Love encounters is a weapon that pulls down lies that we're believing and replaces them with truth. Uh... People with ministries who heal people up from the past, like Sozo Ministries, that's a powerful weapon in the hands of the Lord to demolish strongholds. Now, the two weapons that that I, I mentioned last night that are really the, the focus, two of the main focuses of our ministry is the weapon of laughter and the, the weapon of, of speaking life. Now, we're going to go after a little bit more of the joy of the Lord today. Is anybody here too Joyful. <laughs> it's interesting because it says in uh, Romans fifteen thirteen Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. So hope, when you start talking about hope, I believe you need to start talking about joy. Because they're buddies. They hang out together all the time. Wherever you find true hope, you're going to find joy. Where, wherever you're going to find true all joy, you're going to find hope. You're going to find peace as well. And I shared my, my own journey that I uh, was a joy-impaired, laughter-impaired Christian. If someone would be crying, I'd say, yes, amen, thank you, Lord, you're moving powerfully. So someone would be laughing, I'd be troubled and uncomfortable. If they really got it, they wouldn't be laughing. <laughs> and so... I I started searching the word. I shared some some verses last night. Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your. A merry heart is good like medicine. Now, there's there's all kinds of other verses that that support the place of joy. And, I mean, like in in Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now, it's number two. It got place number two. Love, love has to be first, but then joy is there. Hmm. So I mean, fruit of the spirit is, is is the the result of just being plugged in to the Lord. It says in Psalm sixteen eleven, what's to it say? Uh, in His presence is halfness of joy. Oh, f- fullness, fullness. Ah, oh, fullness. Hmm. Wow. That sounds isn't that amazing? All the the descriptions in the Bible, the adjectives that describe joy, fullness of joy, all joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jesus said this, these things I say to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Wow. It, it, it's all over. So in his presence, his fullness of joy. I like to say it this way. We may not be joyful all the time we're in his presence, his manifest presence. But if we're never joyful in his manifest presence, we might not be as much in his presence as we thought we were. We just laugh at that too. <laughs> a, a chronic lack of joy is a representation of an incomplete God encounter. A chronic lack of joy is a representation of an incomplete God encounter. Another verse that's fascinating is is Luke 2.10, where the angel is announcing to the shepherds the purpose of baby Jesus. How many think that was an important announcement? Here's here's what the angel said. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great great joy. Say great great joy. Which will be for all the people. I mean, that is just a wow. Of all the things the angel could have announced about Jesus. Behold, I bring you good tidings. What happens to you when you hear good tidings? Do you, do you become grumpier? <laughs> no, you become happy. But good tidings of great joy. Not just a trickle of joy. Great joy. Not just for a few select people with the right personality. Or from certain cultures but for all the people. Wow. I'm interested in what the what, what the angel didn't say. Behold, this baby's gonna grow up, build a church, and you better attend. <laughs> and pay your tithes. But the one verse that really gets to me is Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God its not about meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Wow! the king, Joy is one-third of the kingdom. Somebody go, hmm, 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 hmm. You know, we become rightly so. I mean, if righteousness starts declining in the church, you know, we become concerned. We can't let righteousness decline. Let's call a solemn assembly. <laughs> it, this can't happen. But it seems like we've had no, no problems of joy declines. Well, that's not a big deal. Joy, we don't have joy here. That's not, you know, that's not important. Where'd that come from? It's one-third of the kingdom. I mean, probably the first 15 years of my Christian life, I can count on one hand how many messages I heard on joy. One-third of the kingdom, but nobody's <laughs> preaching on it. Why? Why? Well, I've got a theory on that. You want to hear it? Here it is. My theory is that... Uh, be, No one's preaching on it because, under a religious mindset, it's impossible to have joy. Because if you have joy, you're not getting it. If you really got it, you'd understand God has just about had enough of you. (laughs) Yeah, He's about enough of you. He's so frustrated and disappointed with you, He's about ready to implode. (laughs) you prayed one hour you should have prayed two you fasted for three days but you had a marshmallow on day two and now God is angry (laughs) that's not a religious mindset thanks can never do enough don't deserve to be happy. I need to walk in um, in, 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 in sadness and sorrow. So I sh- prove to God I get it. I get it. And that's just, I mean, that's ridiculous. Because joy would seem to me I get it. I mean, it's called good news. The gospel's good news. You know, it's interesting that... Because religion religion celebrates and only becomes joyful with perfection, but families celebrate progress. Religion will only celebrate and become joyful with perfection, but families celebrate progress. Now, I've got seven grandchildren... Somebody say, yay. yay. I think it was our oldest, Caden. He's going to be 11 in July. And when he was about, when he was learning to walk, our daughter, Heidi, we'd be on the road and, and she would send us text. Text would say, Caden took a step. I'd show Wendy. He took a step. He, he took a step. We became joyful. <laughs> Heidi never texted us. Caden fell down again. Caden fell down 54 times a day. He's such an embarrassment to our family. He'll probably never walk. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's, we, we, we celebrate progress. Yeah. Yeah. Churches that celebrate progress are a lot more joyful. If, if there's perfection, if perfection is a goal, there's never any joy. I don't need joy at the end of the battle. I need joy now. Yeah. You know, if, if, many, uh, if parents were like many Christian leaders, and, and they toddlers trying to walk and falling down, here's what the parent would say. Quit trying to walk. You're being presumptuous and prideful. It's clear you do not have the gift of walking. Because if you had the gift of walking, it wouldn't be so hard. Besides if you had the gift of walking you'd already be walking Don't you know walking ceased with the apostles <laughs> That's for you Phil It's clear that God in his infinite wisdom and superior sovereignty has predestined you with the gift of crawling. (laughs) Be content in the state you're in. And if God wants you to be a walker, he'll just zap you. And you'll just start walking. (laughs) Yep, let's just laugh at that too. (laughs) That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. (laughs) But that's how we think about ourselves. That's how we think about other people. If we fail at something, we don't have the gift. Can't do that. Then we start believing a lie. We start believing a lie that literally restricts our experience. Believing truth frees us. Believing lies restricts what we could experience and what we could do. And, you know, when you, when you get the, the joy piece into the renewing of the mind, that's why it's so important to allow all joy to, to partner with hope, with our beliefs. It, it actually becomes fun. That's where the laughing at lies things really comes in handy. You know, Psalm two four, He who sits in the heavens laughs, and God's laughing at what His enemies are saying and planning, and so laughter, joy is is a weapon, and specifically laughter's a powerful spiritual weapon to start demolishing strongholds and bad beliefs, because it, it just starts to let go of some of the things that we believe. So here's what we laughed at some lies last night. We've already laughed at some lies earlier, but let's just, you know, I shared last night, uh, children laugh on average. Of, did I share how many times children laugh? Yeah. How many times? 400. Good. And how many times on average do adults? 15. Yep. And so I told the Lord as part of my health and, and well-being and longevity plan, I want to laugh 400 times a day minimum. And so I don't know how many laughs we've got in today in this meeting. We probably, I, I would guess, we're pushing a hundred, because every ha is a laugh. <laughs> we must be pushing a hundred. Maybe some of you, have, I, I know you, just have actually maybe have exceeded four hundred. I've been kind of watching you. <laughs> but let's um, let's laugh now because lies sound really real in the darkness of our thinking. Oh yes, Amen. If I don't feel saved, that doesn't mean I, that means I'm not saved. Oh yes, it feels so true. It's got to be true if it feels this true. Yes, oh yes. <laughs> but then I say it out of my mouth. My salvation is dependent on my feelings. That's just stupid. Just stupid laughable. All right. So let's just laugh at a few more lies. Why don't, why don't you just warm up your lappers again? <laughs> why don't you just warm them up just a little louder? <laughs> All right. Let, let, let's laugh at this line. And I want you to give a real hearty laugh on this one. Real hearty. You are a non-important person in the body of Christ. <laughs> These things may work for somebody else, but they won't work for you. <laughs> <laughs> The Holy Spirit flows powerfully through people like Benny Hinn, Bill Johnson, but not much through you. (laughs) Your spouse will never change.
2: <laughs> now, I don't know why that one got so much extra laughter.
1: <laughs>
0: you don't have the right personality to be joyful or to laugh much. <laughs> After all, you're English. (laughs) Boo. 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 Yeah, boo. (laughs) Almost every nation I go to, the people say, we we just yeah, you know, you know, the culture here, we, we don't really laugh that much. Yeah, you know, we're 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 whatever. We're British, we're German, we're Finnish, we're Canadian. <laughs> and then um let's laugh at this line. <clears throat> oh yeah, I already shared this last night, but it's said so good. One of the devil's favorite lies. Laughter in the church is from the devil. (laughs) So we're we're, going to intersperse the joy. Now, the other weapon is declarations. We'll talk more about that probably tonight and go deeper into that. So I remember, so I was asking the Lord, Lord, show me lies that I'm believing. And he took a phrase out of Genesis 3.11 Where God asked Adam, who told you that you were naked? And took the phrase, who told you that? And began talking to me. So I would say something like this. I do not have the gift of healing. Let's laugh at that, by the way. (laughs) Holy Spirit said, Steve, who told you that? Who told you that you do not have the gift of healing? Well, that's a good question, Lord. Let me think. Probably not you. (laughs) I know who told me that my past. My past told me I don't have to get to healing. Well, Well, then why do you call yourself by the past rather than who I call you? Well, Lord, the reason I call myself by my past rather than who you call me is because all the other Christians around me do it. And I thought I was supposed to, too. Let's laugh at that as well. <laughs> I would say this: I am a disorganized person. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> Somebody need to give an extra laugh at that one. <laughs> Who told you that, Steve? Who told you that you are a disorganized person? My wife. <laughs> That was my past. My past told me. Wow, we got a pattern here, don't we, Steve? You you like to call things by the past. I like to call things by their future. I thought you said you wanted to be like me. Well, I thought being like you is just acting like you, not thinking like you. I want to create a whole new movement. You know, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? WWJT. What would Jesus think? I would say this. This area is hard for the gospel. Let's laugh at (laughs) that. The Lord said, who told you that? Who told you that this area is hard for the gospel. The past. A couple prophets mentioned it too. How <laughs> I many you know prophetic ministry is not primarily diagnostic? The purpose of prophetic is not just to diagnose the past. Now, words of knowledge, and that can come in to where we can supernaturally understand things about the past that will help the prophetic word. People have faith in the prophetic word. But The greatest prophetic words is calling something that is not as though it is. Romans 417, God who gives life to the dead by calling those things that are not as though they are. It's what happened to Gideon in Judges 6. The angel of the Lord says, O mighty man of valor, O mighty warrior, he was prophesying, he was calling him by his future. He was calling him actually by who he really was, he was giving him his true identity. And, and prophetic, the, one of the, the most important reasons we prophesy is to give people, cities, regions, nations their true identity. Because somebody's got to give the true identity because it's 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 it's, you can't consistently do what you don't believe you are. So I realize this, you know, wow. We I got most of my beliefs out of the past. Who told you that? Who told you that? that? By the way, I just released who told you that over all the people here. When we say something that's in agreement with the past, that's not in agreement with you, father. I give you permission just speak to us. Who told you that? It's one way to start demolishing strongholds. It's an argument. The greatest argument is the, the, is the past, in my opinion. The greatest, you know, strongholds blocking the purposes of God are not regional demonic principalities. They're, they're Christians agreeing with negative past experience. I'll say that again. This is my opinion. The greatest strongholds blocking the purposes of God are not regional demonic principalities. They're Christians agreeing with negative past experience. Who told you that? Who told, who told you Wendy, you can't speak in front of others? Who told you that? Who told you they can't do miracles? Who told you that? Now, I obviously believe God's gifted us as parts of the body with unique gifts that we're going to focus on, we're probably going to be stronger in. But I don't want to limit what God is going to do in my life based on bad beliefs. I don't want to limit things that can happen in me, through me, around me, based on just believing lies based on the past. Now, one of the cities I pastored, the first week I get there, someone comes up to me and says, Steve, I want to let you know, this city is hard for the gospel. (laughs) First week, come there. They're they're telling me this. Now, I knew this. I knew if I believed that, I'd become the biggest problem in my city. If I believed that, I'd be a bigger problem than a bunch of, than a hundred Satanists in my city. I'd be be the problem. Because here I am. I'm the head, not the tail. Spiritual leader. And. And what happens, you know, is we get into disunity with ourselves. I mean, we're, we're, we're praying one thing and believing another. I remember crying out to the Lord to say, Lord, bring unity to the body of Christ so we can have revival. And Lord says, Steve, if I could just get you into unity, we'd have revival. <laughs> yeah, you? I mean. You pray one thing and you believe another thing. Once you get your prayers, your beliefs, and your talk in unity. And it may take a while. But it's a great journey. Matthew twelve thirty four says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I love to hear what I say, especially when I'm tired. I I really believe it. I mean, it's funny, you know. And you gotta, you know, these kind of things. You want to partner with people who you're in covenant relationship with, who are not word policemen. And those of you who are in the '80s, you know, I love the faith movement. Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth Copeland, those guys, and released so many great truths on the body of Christ. But, but some of the way people interpreted that, they became word policemen. Don't say that. Negative confession. Don't you know this fear. Oh, your, your spiritual straitjacket can't handle it. But if you are in relationship with people, it's fun. You know, like sometimes my I'll, I'll say something negative, and my my wife Wendy will say, "Do you want me to come into agreement with that?" <laughs> well, actually, no. <laughs> I don't really want you to agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you that? Who told you that? So we're we're there, and this is in the early '90s. We're learning this in the desert, and I I really have um, at that time we're pastoring a church about thirty people. I have really no outward signs that I'm a success. Actually, I actually had a lot of outward signs that I'm a failure. Let me just share with you some of the different factors in my life that were telling me that I was a failure. And after I share each one, just laugh. I had an unsuccessful car, <laughs> I had an unsuccessful salary. <laughs> <laughs> My hair was starting to get unsuccessful <laughs> I, had, I had a i had a non successful home it was a single wide trailer called the parsonage <laughs> i had a non successful church size ha uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> <clears> ha <throat> My geographical location was not successful. <laughs> My church services did not seem successful. <laughs> and, and then the Lord said, um, Steve, I want you to start thinking higher now, I want you to start believing that you're a powerful person that influences nations and that you're leading a ministry that's significant in what I'm doing. I want you to start believing that now. Lord, um, can I make this deal with you? (laughs) When things start getting better in my life, then I'll start thinking better. Is that okay with you? He said, no. He says that that's not how this thing works. How this thing works is that you actually start believing better in the same set of circumstances. That's how it works. Well, Lord, I I just I don't know. I mean, just I think I'm going to wait for a more convenient time. <laughs> then I'll start believing better then he said, well, Steve, it's up to you. How many laps in the wilderness do you want to do? mm, I've done quite a few so far <laughs> seen that piece of sagebrush many times okay i'll I'll, I'll try it. I'll try to start believing better now. No. Because really, you know one of the, the great pathways to influence is God makes you successful on the inside when you don't look successful on the outside. And you know really, all of us in the room, there's, there's certain things about all of our lives right now that are screaming at us that we are a failure. Let's laugh at that. Why don't we just laugh again at this lie? Just laugh really heartily. You are a failure. (laughs) Those of you involved in ministries, let's laugh at this lie. Your ministry is a failure. He <laughs> says, so I want you to start saying you influence nations. Well, Lord, uh, you, you said this. You're confusing me. You, you said, thou shalt, shalt not lie. I'm not saying, shouldn't I wait until I'm actually influencing nations to say I'm influencing nations? Isn't that how it works? He said, no, that's not how it works. He said, um, let me ask you a question, Steve. Is an apple tree still an apple tree before it's ever had an apple on it? Do we wait for an apple to be hanging on it before we say it's an apple tree? No. If the apple tree dies at the apple tree's funeral, we would say, we're now burying brother apple tree. I mean, if this is a, let's say this... Um, Music stand is an apple tree and this apple tree could talk and it's been it's too young to ever have apples. And it says this, I have the gift of apples. (laughs) You know, we'd probably think, man, you must go to one of those name it and claim it, blab it and grab it churches. (laughs) Yeah, you'd say that's true, because. Listen to this we we don't create our identity out of what we don't get our identity out of what we've done we get our identity out of what we were created to do we don't get our identity out of what we've done we get our identity out of what we were created to do so you don't need the fruit of something hanging on you to say that's who you are, and you know I don't make declarations to convince you. I make them to convince me. I wasn't out there telling other people I'm a great leader, influencing nations, and I lead a significant ministry, influencing nations. I wasn't at first. I was just telling me because I didn't believe it. That's ridiculous. That feels that just feels wrong to say. We should wait for more evidence. <laughs> then it'll be legal to say. <laughs> Some of the most important things that we ever need to say will be the hardest for us to say. You can tell what your biggest strongholds are by what's hardest to say. You can tell. Well, why can't I, I want to say that? Because Because here's the thing, we'll find ourselves, we don't want to get our hopes up in that area. so we we would rather stay hopeless than fear being disappointed. And I found it about myself, man, I, I want to be disappointed. I want to protect myself from being disappointed. So I'm just gonna live a life of just protection. And, and by the way the lord the Lord's just delivering people today from that. He's delivering people from that. you know i'm I'm not I'd rather be a hopeful person with occasional disappointment rather than live a life of hopelessness. I'd rather be a hopeful person. With occasional disappointment, rather than just being a hopeless person. So change how you think, Steve, now. Now. And it was... Did it happen overnight? No. But I actually... God's pattern is the most important things we need to hear and say will sound ridiculous at first. Then it moves into sounding possible. Maybe this is true. Maybe we're out here in the middle of the desert. Maybe we can impact things. Maybe we are important. Maybe we got what it takes. Start thinking. You hope so. And then, so it's ridiculous to it's possible to getting convinced thank you father just today for just just for all of us where we where we feel like failures thank you for just just breaking us off of that being an identity i may have failed in some things but i'm not a failure I am more than a conqueror. That's pretty good to be more than a conqueror. You guys good out there? Um, I'm going to do something in closing, but just I want to just say this: I can't wait for tonight's meeting. I'm excited about tonight. Somebody just go rah. rah, rah. <laughs> 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 this thing, we get testimonies all the time about how meetings like this have changed people's lives. Yeah. And I love I love being able to do like we're doing four meetings here, you know, main meetings, and, and I just love to be able to just give more because it's uh there's an impartation that you get. Paul, Paul said in, in Romans 1 11, he said, I long to be with you that I may impart to you a spiritual gift that you may be established. He said, there's something I can do in person that I can't do in a letter. I want to get there. I want to be with you. And I just feel the same thing about these meetings. I feel like the Lord is imparting something to you. And here's my belief you're going to have to work really hard for it not to affect you.
1: <laughs>
0: you're going to have to work really hard. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me just take a couple more lies out of this book. This, uh, I love. By the way, we've got another book here, too. It's called Let's Just Laugh at That for Kids. It's got 20 lies that children are tempted to believe. It's written for ages 6 through 10, but it's before and after is great, and it's even good for adults. Four pages on each lie. And it has five laughter weapons that are released like the giggle grenade, the ha ha hammer, the laugh machine gun, the laughter boots. And the laughter blaster it's an illustrated book, and it's got um twenty lies I mean, i'm these are not only lies children are tempted to believe, I'm tempted to believe. Let's laugh at the first lie. It's not fair
2: <laughs> yeah it's not fair
0: <laughs> I'm ugly ha. <laughs> Oh, it's a deeper lie. Oh, <laughs> I'm not important. <laughs> I'm not good at anything. <laughs> Anybody got children, six through ten? Way in the back. Yep. Once you come up, can you, Heather, can you get it to the lady coming on up? Bless you. By the way, what's your name? Rachel. Rachel? Yeah. Hey, uh, Rachel. I, I I'm hearing this over you, that you're a freedom releaser. You're a freedom bringer, and and I just see that uh, there's such an anointing on your life to set people free in multiple ways from addictions, from bad beliefs, uh, from victim mindsets, especially victim mindsets. I see the Lord has really anointed you, and and in uh, and, and you um. I see. Divine strategies that God is giving you that's going to be, whether it's like like in books or in this teaching series, that is really going to be key in what God's doing in, around this nation and beyond. So that's what I heard. Let's. Um, I want to just laugh at another lie in this book. Are you guys Good. Let's laugh at this line. Higher levels in God attract higher problem-causing devils. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha. Who told you that? How come we said higher levels, higher devils? Why didn't we say higher levels, higher angels? Probably because it didn't rhyme. <laughs> Here's some laughable assumptions under that lie. Let's just heartily laugh at these. Some of them, you, you might be painful laugh, but try your best. We are to expect a life of growing difficulty as we spiritually advance. Ha, ha, ha. N- nervous laughter. Nerv- <laughs> nervous laughter. Church leaders have miserable lives because of spiritual attacks. ha. <laughs> 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 Generals are the least protected in an army. ha. <laughs> 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 Unless I am experiencing an attack, I must not be a threat to the devil. the safest thing to do is to not advance spiritually in Christ Uh the very spiritual person will talk more about Satan's ability to attack than God's ability to protect (laughs) who told us these things our expectations have nothing to do with what we will experience.
1: <laughs>
0: Yikes. Mm. How about another one here? You guys are. Here's a good one. Let's laugh this line. <clears throat> a curse is more powerful than a blessing. <laughs> Here's some laughable assumptions. Darkness is more powerful than light. <laughs> Though Satan is defeated, his curses are still victorious. <laughs> generational curses are more powerful than generational blessings. If we are cursed, we should not worry about bad coming to us. But if we are blessed, we should not expect outrageously good things to come to us. Let's give an extra laugh in that one.
2: <laughs>
0: Who told us that? A spoken blessing isn't really powerful. It's just a courtesy gesture when someone sneezes. Christ's work on the cross is easily overturned by a curse. (laughs) Hey, Naomi, I want to give you this book. Yep, there you go. Yeah, hey, Naomi, I I just hear this over you. You're a releaser of new things. You're a releaser of new things. God's doing a new thing in your life. And you're a releaser of new things. I see doors opening of you just just uh, of, of actually um, sharing the, the now thing that God's doing in favor on your life is increasing. It's a new season for your life and you're a releaser of new seasons in other people's lives and your influence is growing. Amen. All right. So what would you hear today? Just if you heard a quote. If you can put just share the quote, then I will repeat that. If there's something that stood out to you in this meeting, raise your hand. I'll call on you. You share it, and then I will repeat it for the recording. Yes. Okay, yesterday's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Proverbs 18, death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love what? Those who love the revelation that life is in the power of their tongue will eat the fruit of their past words. Did you have something? Yeah. Who, told you that? who told you that? Turn to your neighbor and just say, who told you those things? <laughs> yes. New levels, new angels. Or higher, higher levels, higher angels. Do you want to agree with that? <laughs> yes. And this is, uh, I, I release this with caution in marriages. And, and I just release wisdom over you. But it is a fun thing to say. Do you want me to come into agreement with that when your spouse or loved one says something negative? <laughs> unlikely are and saved in this area. Yeah, unlikely people are having encounters with God and getting saved in this area. Whoa, yeah, that was powerful. What's your name, by the way? Phil. Phil. Wow, another Phil. Film. Yeah, I, do, I just uh, just using the letters of your name, um, Phil, I just hear this. You're a prophetic healer, igniting leaders. You're a prophetic healer, igniting leaders. And, and there's a new edge on your prophecy, your healing, your ignition to leaders. There's a new edge It's a new gift of faith that's coming on you. It's on you. Anyone else hear something? Yeah, way in the back. Yeah, is an apple tree an apple tree before it's had apples on it? Let's just laugh at this. No. (laughs) We have to wait for apples to be hanging on it before we call it an apple tree. Uh Uh-huh. Wow, my prayers for my family are working. Why don't you just say that? My prayers for my family are working. Say it again. My prayers for my family are working. Yeah, we get our identity not from what we've done, but what we've been created to do. Whew, that's a good one. Someone else back there. Yes. Say that again. Oh, yeah. Romans 417. God gives life to the dead by calling those things that are not as though they are not by the past. Very good. Yeah. So you just got touched by. The importance of our expectation and the lie that is shared that our our expectations have nothing to do with what we will experience. Let's laugh at that. Ha ha. You got another one? Yeah. God, on on yeah, God makes me successful on the inside when I don't look successful on the outside. That's the way he makes great leaders. You know, none of us are beautiful or handsome enough, rich enough, smart enough, made all the great decisions enough to to be considered successful uh, or, or the pinnacle of success. And yet, God says, "I want you to get successful on the inside." Really, what success is? Success is not a goal to be attained; it's a state of being. It's an inner thing. It's called soul prosperity. (laughs) Yeah, God sends people to the desert to teach them how to repent. And, you know, by the way, you don't need to live in a literal desert to be in a, a season where the focus is to learn how to repent and change your mind. Someone else over there. Yes. I'm what? Oh, I influence nations. Why don't you just say that, everybody? Say it again. Now, the moment you said that, the the percentage chances of you influencing nations at a greater rate just went up dramatically. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Leaders who fail are not failures, but they're anointed to lead failures to success. I didn't say it exactly like that, but I wish I would (laughs) have. I wish I would have. That's powerful. Yeah, that's what Peter did, didn't he? Peter did that. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, the greatest blockages in an area are not regional demonic principalities. They're Christians agreeing with the past. Yep, I'm not into positive thinking. I'm into scriptural or biblical optimism. I'm saved even when I don't feel saved. Yeah, the joy of the Lord is your strength and you felt okay to laugh at everything. Yeah. My hope level's the indicator of whether I'm believing lies or truth. Very good. Our most say that again? Ah, yeah the most the areas of our life where we have the greatest difficulties often create our ministry out of it well good you guys receive this word say if you do say i receive it, I receive it. I'll, never I'll never be the same again something happened in me today it's going to increase It's going to bear much fruit. It's It's going to influence the nations. Amen. Give God thanks. Give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Karen, thank you.